0: Welcome to Dear Runner Bod, the pod dedicated to helping you embrace your runner's body. I'm Serena Marie RD, a registered dietitian and body image coach who wants you to stop dieting and start fueling the athlete within. While I am a medical professional, the information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure. Now, let's start rewriting your body's story. It is time for review of the week, which is your chance to hear if your review that you left on Apple podcast is read aloud on the pod. If it is, you win a free prize. It is over $100 in value. You get to pick a masterclass of your cho- choosing. And this week's winner is Lexi XO. So, Lexi, make sure you send me a DM at Serena Marie RD or you send me an email, Serena at SerenaMarieRD.com. RD.com. And that way you can choose your prize. Now, not only are you potentially winning a prize when you take a few moments to leave a review of the week, but you're helping to spread the word uh, to Apple podcast that this is a podcast that is valuable and helps you and that's something you enjoy. So even if you just click that subscribe button and help, uh, dear runner bod get boosted in the algorithm and the, in the rankings, that would be super appreciated. So Lexi, what did she have to say? She said, great podcast. I love Serena's podcast. Not only is she extremely knowledgeable, but she is fun. I always end up with an abundance of information and a good laugh after listening to one of her. Podcast. Thank you so much, Lexi, for the awesome review. And make sure you send me a message to claim your prize. I am beyond excited to interview Madeline Vasquez today. Madeline is a dietitian, but she is also an insulin pump trainer and a diabetes care and education specialist. Madeline um, decided to be a dietitian because when she grew up, she witnessed firsthand how language barriers and the lack of education and resources can impact someone's health. For years, her grandmother suffered with diabetes because she did not receive the proper resources or guidance with her diet. And this is what fueled Madeline's passion to become a dietitian and then to get her diabetes care and education specialist. Certification. Since then, Madeline has worked in community settings, outpatient care, and has served individuals of diverse socioeconomic status. She also has a background in culinary skills, which has helped her to connect with individuals from all cultures to help them navigate and prepare foods that meet their needs. Madeline has a private practice, and you can find her online at diabetes.rd on Instagram. And also, this is not in her bio, but Madeline is a runner. Um, she ran New York Marathon last year and she's training for Berlin right now. And that's actually how we've connected as we like to chat about running on Instagram. Um, so I am so excited for you to tune into today's episode because we are going to dive into all things carbohydrate. We're going to talk about um, carbohydrates, whether there are good carbs and bad carbs. We're going to talk about whether eating too many carbs causes diabetes. I cannot wait for you to tune into today's episode. Another episode of Dear Runner Bod, and today I have an amazing guest because not only is she a runner, she is also a crazy smart expert in diabetes. Welcome, Madeline.
1: Thank you so much Serena for having me. I am so excited for this episode and the fact that we finally connected after years of just connecting on the virtual space, DMing and, you know, sharing our passion about not just nutrition but also running. So thank you so much for having me here.
0: Totally. And like we still definitely will get that Central Park run date in eventually. <laughs>
1: Yes, definitely. Definitely, I'm looking forward to that.
0: Me too. Um, Okay, Madeline, so you are not only a dietitian, but you are an expert in diabetes. That is like what you do. And so the reason I wanted to have a diabetes expert on a running podcast is because as a running dietitian, as a sports dietitian, one of the things that I am always begging my clients to do is to eat more carbohydrates. And one of the pushbacks I get is, doesn't carbohydrates cause diabetes? So Madeline, I was hoping you could kind of like simplify this for it for us, like dumb it down for us so we can understand like, is that true? Like, does eating carbohydrates cause diabetes? Do we need to be living in this fear that if we have pasta or bread or processed carb cereal, um, is it going to cause diabetes?
1: So that's actually a really great question. And it's, I don't, Find it surprising to hear that you come across those same questions because I experience it on a day to day basis where I have to constantly, you know, debunk myths around, you know, what is the cause of diabetes, right? So, you know, the answer is no. Eating too much carbs does not cause diabetes. And I think that that is a huge misconception, not just in the diabetes community, but just in the you know health wellness, nutrition space overall, where you know they fear monger carbs and they fail to realize the essential role that it plays in our overall. Body, right? So I think that the biggest thing when I'm working, you know, with a, a client or a patient is just giving them a simple breakdown of what are carbohydrates and why our body needs them. And also, you know, going into the nitty gritty of what are the factors revolving around increasing your likelihood of developing diabetes. So I think once I go into the nitty-gritty of Carbohydrates are our primary source of energy. they fuel our our body. they fuel our muscles and we need them to recover and We need them to get through you know our day to day people start to really realize the importance and they really start to see, hey, there is a huge misconception, and there is a disconnect, and you know that really becomes the key here so people can start introducing them again into their diet. Because oftentimes I am working with people that are newly diagnosed with diabetes and they haven't touched carbs in months, Mm -hmm. which is just unbelievable to hear, you know? So once I get into the breakdown of the primary source. I also talk about the different types of carbohydrates, right? Because not all carbs are created equal. And I think that that is usually the key here for us to understand. But then I also talk about those risk factors, right? So there are many factors that can contribute to diabetes, such as Family history, you know, let's say physical inactivity, let's say if you have other, you know, diseases like hypertension or elevated cholesterol, those factors also play a role in you developing diabetes or even if you have autoimmune diseases. So I think people fail to realize that it's not black and white. And I think the media and social media doesn't make our jobs easier. So that was a long-winded answer, but I hope that answers it. No,
0: I love that I love that you didn't just give me a yes or no answer and you really like kind of like qualified why the answer is no. Like eating too many carbohydrates, that is not the cause of diabetes. And I want I wanted to just kind of repeat what Madeline said because Madeline's working with people who have diabetes and she's still encouraging people with diabetes to eat carbohydrates. So clearly, you know, carbohydrates are not like enemy number one over here. I wanted to kind of circle back to what you had said about like how all carbs are not created equal. And I I, I think, um, so in my practice, I say, I teach some, I have a feeling we're saying the same thing, but we're saying it differently. So what okay. I always tell people is a carb is a carb is a carb. When we eat a carbohydrate, it has to get broken down into sugar in the body. There's, you no, know, unless it's fiber, like that is the only choice. And then we talk about how certain carbs might be better for pre-exercise because they are digested quicker, they're hitting the blood sugar quicker, they're giving our muscles that immediate energy versus other carbohydrates maybe have a little bit more staying power or if we're pairing them with other foods, it can balance our blood sugar better and keep us fuller longer. Just kind of depends if this is a carbohydrate that we're eating before a workout versus a carbohydrate that we're eating Um, you know, before we, or, or after a workout, like for dinner or what have not. Um, so I guess like, just like wanting to clear the air here, if somebody is having a Pop-Tart or graham crackers or Swedish fish before they head out for a run, like for you as a diabetes educator, like how how do we paint that picture of feeling like, okay, about having that carbohydrate that maybe isn't the most fiber rich or nutrient dense? Mm -hmm. Like how do we kind of like internalize that as like a healthy
1: choice? And I think that you sort of gave a great explanation of that by saying that every carb serves their individual purpose, right? So, you know, when we are – Thinking about about carbohydrates and the breakdown, right? Something like a pop tart is going to, you know, break down a lot faster than, let's say, if you were to have a fruit, right? So those are things that we're we're actually reviewing as well when I am meeting with someone that has diabetes, and the way that I present it is more or less of you know, there are some carbohydrates that our body break down a lot faster. And then there are some that our bodies take a little bit longer to digest. But the key is always understanding the differences, right? That, you know, I believe it or not, when I am running, I have come across people that have diabetes that also, you know, are runners. And if, if, if in a situation I am working with someone that, you know, is a runner and has diabetes, then, you know, I am going to say it's okay for you to have, you know, a pop tart pre-workout because guess what? Your body's going to break it down a lot faster. It's going to give you that energy that you need to get through that run. But it, it's also going to help prevent hypoglycemia, which is a low blood sugar during that run. Especially if it's someone that you know is on insulin, which you know we all know is a natural hormone that helps bring blood sugars down. If you're, you know, taking insulin and you're going. D- during a run, right, you are also using a lot of that energy and you are at risk of, you know, blood sugars coming down. So, if you are someone that has a history of hypoglycemia or you notice during your workouts that you're going low all the time, then guess what? We are going to talk about pre-fueling and the types of carbohydrates that you should be consuming before your run right? In regards to also, you know, what are the type of carbohydrates that you want to consume after your run, right? And what are those key nutrients that we need? So I think when I use the phrase, not all carbs are created equal, I mean that every carb serves its purpose. And ultimately, you know, there are going to be some carbs that we need at certain instances, depending on what the role we're trying to fulfill in terms of nutrition.
0: Totally. Absolutely. I just wanted to clear the air because I know the women that listen to this podcast may have a history of eating disorder or disordered we- eating. And so I knew we were saying the same thing. It's just, I wanted to, you know, I just know the people who listen to this podcast. Um, excellent. But excellent.
1: That's amazing. Way. I love that you do that. And I think that that's why when I came across your page, which by the way, I'm, people probably don't know it was through my mother because my mother is also a runner and she shared a post of Serena and I started following her and I was just obsessed with her page and, you know, her work. And you can just see the passion that she has for, you know, nutrition, the running community. And, you know, you care about your, you know, your clients and you can even see it in, in the work that you do, but also just in that simple, you know, explanation. Like I know my, my followers, I know my clients and I want to make sure that I'm checking off all those boxes. So there is no miscommunication. So thank you for, for, for that. I love that.
0: Oh, I like – my heart is glowing. I also love your mom. We could, like, just talk about your mom, like, the rest of the podcast and, like, how much I love her and – Ugh, yeah, I think it's so cool you guys run together. I'm very, I'm very jelly. I wish my mom would run with me.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. So I actually, you know, I know this is probably a little bit of a side note, but I actually started running because of my mom because she started wow. doing, you know, these races. And, you know, I remember at that time I was away in college. So I would see her posting all these 5Ks, 10Ks, and then she worked her way up from a 5K to a half marathon. And then she decided she wanted to run a marathon. And, you know, it was just so inspiring to see that she pushed herself to, you know, reach these goals over time. But, you know, she was able to, you know, learn a different side of her. And then I was like, if my mom can do it, I can do it. And then I just started, you know, I would casually run in college, but not the way that I do right now that I'm, you know, out of school, but she was definitely someone who inspired me in regards to just running and being involved. And then I ran my, la- my, my first marathon last year, which was amazing. And, you know, this year we're running Berlin together. So that's going to be an amazing experience. And I can't Did wait. Did both get into the lottery? for Berlin or are you doing like a we charity did. or something? We both got wow. into the, we applied as a team actually. Oh, and that's so how we got smart. into the lottery. So we were supposed to run last year, but, you know, since she was recovering from her injury, you know, the, they had recommended her to just sit out and, you know, it, it worked out because I had, worked into, you know, running New York. So I ended up running New York and then we just both pushed back Berlin to this year. And, you know, now we're about to start, you know, training. So it's going to be a very exciting summer. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I have a electrolyte seminar Um in – when is it? May 25th. So you should totally attend that because that will help you with training in the summer heat too.
1: Yes. Yes, definitely. It was a very eye-opening experience. Like even though, you know, I am a nutrition expert, I still felt like I needed support and knowledge in regards to this area because it is not, you know – black and white right and we're all so different so it any help that i can get then yes, I'll take it. <laughs> Woohoo. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Okay, Madeline. So you are a runner, you're a diabetes expert. You're saying it's okay to eat Pop Tarts. You're saying it's okay to add more carbs to your plate as you start training. Uh, like I'm assuming during marathon training, Madeline, did you have to add more carbs to your plate? Did you notice you were hungrier and and carbohydrates would kind of help take the edge off that
1: runger? Of course, absolutely. Like I noticed the difference once. I started, you know, really running those long distance runs. Like when I was running a few long runs of 15, 12, 10, you know, I kind of went a big stretch. I actually, my longest run was 20 miles. So as I started, you know, increasing that mileage, I noticed that I was definitely a lot hungrier and I really had to be strategic about not missing meals. So like meal consistency was super important, but also adding those small snacks in between my meals, because I noticed that I would just get these random hunger cravings out of nowhere. And if I didn't have those planned snacks leading into the next meal, I would just want to eat everything in front of me.
0: Yep. Yep. I feel like everyone who's listening to this is like nodding their head and can totally relate to that, that runger, that crazy, crazy feeling of runger. Um, okay. So we kind of cleared the air on carbohydrates. So the next question I wanted to ask you, um, I want to I, I wanna preface this by kind of just remarking upon a very like sad fact. and that is the fact that we live in a fat phobic world. We live in a world where people who live in larger bodies or or bodies that are considered fat are considered, unhealthy or or bad. And so when I ask you this question, it's not coming from my own internal beliefs, but it's again, just kind of commenting on like the, the society that we live in. So Madeline, I think there's a lot of stigma that if you are in a larger body, then that is going to put you on at higher risk of diabetes. And so I'm wondering like in your, with the clients you work in, do you find that like, I guess my question is, can diabetes affect people of all sizes or is this like a, an issue that predominantly affects people in larger bodies? If you gain weight, does that mean you're going to get diabetes? Like, can we talk a little bit about the stigma around like body size and diabetes?
1: Of course. Absolutely. I think that's a very great question because oftentimes there is a, a stigma that if you are in a larger body, you are most likely going to get diabetes, right? And, you know, I think it ties back down to that first question that you asked me when I talked about carbohydrates. And I think it's very important to, you know, talk about that diabetes affects anybody, right? So it does not discriminate whether you're in a small body, whether you're in a large body, right? it does not discriminate in terms of age, right? We know that, right? So I think it's very important to understand that there are several factors that increase the likelihood of developing diabetes, right? And once people start to understand the differences, then they really can see that connection. Like There are times where I am... Working with someone that has prediabetes, and you know they have a normal BMI, and you know they're they're coming to me and they're like, I don't understand. You know my diet isn't horrible. I, I'm at a healthy weight. I exercise. Why do I have prediabetes? And that's when I have to really go into the nitty gritty of, hey, there are are plenty other factors that can increase the likelihood of developing diabetes. So once, you know, I break that up, then they're, they're like, wow, I did not know that. Like, I thought that if you ate a lot of sugar or if you were, you know, overweight, then that would, that was like the prerequisite. Right. So they, they sort of lack that knowledge. And I think that that's, what it comes down to that there are many factors and I did list a few but I can definitely talk about them which is you know once we're over the age of 45 you know we are more susceptible to having health conditions and that's the reality of it right if you have high blood pressure if you have elevated cholesterol right if you are let's say experiencing autoimmune diseases right that can also increase the likelihood so it's there's many things to take into consideration it's not black and white but also our environment as well so you know food access Also plays a huge role to that, too, coupled with, you know, activity for sure. And, you know, what our weight, that's definitely something that can change over the course of the year, over the course of the years. But there are some factors that we can control, and then there are some factors that we can't. So when we focus on that perspective, we really start to look at diabetes from a different lens.
0: I feel like – I hope if you're listening to this, you just breathe a sigh of relief because what I'm hearing you say, Madeline, is like it is not – someone is not a bad person. It is not 100% within their control whether they do or do not get a diabetes diagnosis. Like there are things that we can control and there are things that we cannot control. And correct me if I'm wrong, but depending on the the individual and their genetic makeup, like the – Um, The amount of control you have over whether or not you get a diabetes diagnosis, it's going to kind of change. Like it's it's variable, right? Like some people are more predisposed to getting it because of genetic factors versus others are less predisposed to getting diabetes due to genetic factors, even if these two people were – you know, living the same exact lifestyle, the same amount of activity, the same environment, the same access to food, everything was the same. One person could get diabetes and one person could not. It's not as simple as like, you're a bad person, you have diabetes, you're
1: being punished with the disease. Absolutely. I love that explanation. And that perspective, because it's true, you know, and there are many factors that we fail to realize. And oftentimes it's, the narrative is just black and white. The narrative is just, you are in a larger body, so you are going to have these, you know, chronic conditions. So I think that once we approach it from a that perspective, then we're able to see that, you know, there are certain things that we can't control and our genetic makeup, we don't have control over that, unfortunately, but we do have control over some things, right? You know, what does our stress level look like? What does our physical activity look like? What, what are the diet changes that we're implementing, right? All those things can help, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, it will determine that outcome.
0: Yeah. And I feel like this is such a tricky thing, right? Because like, especially like my niche, my specialty is intuitive eating or or food freedom. And so I think there's this reputation of like, Oh, like you're saying just eat ice cream and potato chips and like food doesn't matter. Like you have to remember, like I'm a dietitian, like I love health, like I'm obsessed with like, you know, like vegetables and fruits and legumes. And of course there are lifestyle factors that impact, you know, our disease management, our chronic disease management. And At the same time, I would be lying if I said 100% of it is within your control. And I think as humans, it's really terrifying to be like, oh, wait, some of this is up to chance. Like, of course, like we want, we want to feel in power. We want to feel like we're 100% in control. Understandably so, because then you feel like you have the ability to dictate like what cards are dealt your way. Um. And, and I think what Madeline and I are saying is like, yes, you do have some control, but it's not 100% in your control. And so like Madeline, I think, I, I guess maybe my next question would be is like a lot of times runners are very, and I'm totally stereotyping right now, but like type A, like perfectionistic, like maybe like really obsessive um, about health and, and control for sure too. And so like if somebody is listening to this and she's like, I'm a runner, I, um, you know, I want to make sure that I'm doing like everything that I can to reduce my risk of like chronic disease. Like, what are some um, like tips and tricks you would give her um, to make sure she's not going too far in the other direction? Like, can you get too obsessed with you know managing your 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 carbohydrates and doing all the things? Like, what are some like just like reasonable things that people can do without getting too blown out of
1: proportion? So a few things that I love to talk about in a scenario like this is more or less of approaching the situation from a perspective of what can I add to my meals, right? Versus constantly being in that mindset of I have to take away. Well, what can I add? What are those foods that I can add to my meals to still honor nutrition, right, regardless of the the circumstance, right? And another thing that I love to talk about is just that our health is not a reflection of one day, right, or even a week, right? Because think about it, it takes weeks to build habits and patterns, right? So one day isn't going to be the end all, right? we want to focus on the bigger picture, right? So what does the course of my weeks, my months, my years look like, right? And am I constantly being mindful about those those habits, right? Because oftentimes it is common for us to approach things from a perspective of one extreme to one other or that all or nothing mentality. So I usually like to, you know, shift the perspective and the mindset and, you know, think about, okay, well, let's say you wanted to eat a donut for breakfast. Well, what can we add to this to make it more nutrient dense. Right? What are other food sources that we can complement to still get the satisfaction of enjoying that donut but also making sure that we're going to have a complete meal so it can keep us full for the remainder of let's say the next 3 to 4 hours? Because if you go into the, into it for, in the mindset of, well, I'm going to have this donut, so you know, might as well just eat the donut, then hey, you'll notice That within a few hours, you're gonna be hungry again, you know? So I think it's about how you're approaching it, more or less. And there are gonna be some good days and there are gonna be some bad days. And nutrition is not linear. And I think that that's the biggest thing when I'm working with someone and I'm focusing on behavioral change is that it's not linear. It's not always going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect because guess what? Life happens, right? You know, We are going through life motions in in the sense of there's going to be birthdays, there's going to be celebrations, there's going to be holidays, there's going to be vacations. And guess what? A lot of the times food revolves around those things. So we have to be able to be equipped and have the necessary tools to get through those circumstances. And, and, and I think once you start approaching it from that perspective, it not only takes the weight off your shoulder, but it really allows you to be able to move on. And despite what happened the day before, then you can just go into the next day and get back into your, your routine. Yeah.
0: It's almost like if you are analyzing every food choice, every meal with that black and white thinking in that perfectionistic approach of like, oh, I ate a donut. I was bad. The donut was bad and, you know, F it, screw it. Like I already did bad. So now I'm just going to keep doing bad or I'm going to skip a meal or whatever. That is the thing that's actually damaging for health. Like that is the thing that potentially can lead to binging and restricting or overeating. Mm -hmm. And that potentially could have a negative health consequence in terms of like your risk of chronic disease versus if we have a donut. And I love Madeline what you've said, because again, I'm just like hearing our our counseling practices overlap (laughs) of like I'm always especially like my my people, we're hungry. We're hungry people. We're mm-hmm. we're running all the miles. And it's like, okay, if the donut is convenient, it's giving us that satisfaction. What do we do to make us feel fuller longer? Because it's really annoying to be hungry every hour when you're marathon trading. And and exactly like adding those foods to balance the blood sugar. Um, so what are some of those foods that bring that? So if the donuts giving us the satisfaction that hit the spot. What are some mm-hmm. of the foods that are going to give us the the more like balancing of the blood sugar and keeping us fuller longer?
1: So that's a great question. So those foods are going to be your protein foods. So let's say, you know, if you are someone that eats eggs, then you might say, "Hey, I'm going to make myself an omelet." And guess what? You can add things to that omelet, right? And those other things that you can add are fiber which can come from your vegetables right so let's say you decide to chop up some spinach onions tomatoes then now you're adding you know fiber to the meal and that's going to also not only help you stay full for longer but it's also going to help delay that rise in blood sugar so by adding that fiber and that protein that's going to also help you stay full for longer and even though you're having that donut, you might notice that you're not overeating in terms of food because oftentimes if you go into it with the mentality of like, hey, I'm just going to have the donut, but because it's a donut and I'm not supposed to be eating this, I'm not going to eat anything else. But then it's like you said, it's going to trigger other behaviors and then you're going to want to snack on something. So if if you just approach it from that perspective of, hey, I'm going to add Protein to this meal. I'm going to add some veggies to this meal. It's just going to give you a whole different perspective. And the last key nutrient is also fats, right? We do need fats because guess what? Fats help us stay full for longer. It helps with satiety as well. And our body needs those fats. So, you know, just keep those things into perspective. Let's say you wanted to have that with. You know some avocado on the side or the the type of cooking oil that you're using, you know olive oil, then you already have that 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 fat in that meal, and there goes a more balanced meal. you're more likely to not be hungry within the next hour, and you still had your donut
0: oh, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. I'm just like I love how the diabetes and the sports nutrition overlap. And you know when people are like, nutrition's so confusing. I get why it's confusing because there's so much bad information out there. But when you're really working with a a dietitian, whether it's Madeline, whether it's me, whether it's another RD, like you really are going to notice there's so many overlapping trends because physiology is, is physiology. Like it, it, food works the same in each person. Um, okay, Madeline. I mean, I have loved this conversation so much. I think we've really debunked a lot of the fear around eating carbohydrates and understanding a little bit more about how um, carbs work in the runner's body. Um, I ask every um, podcast guest this question. There are not enough women in the world proclaiming why they love their body. And so Madeline, I would love to know, why do you love your body?
1: So that's actually a really great question. And I have not been asked that question before, but I think that as women, we all have been there where we've struggled with our our bodies, right? But I think that over the course of the years, you know, studying nutrition and being a dietitian has really given me a different perspective about, you know, my body and, you know, the role that it plays, but I think that I gained the most appreciation for my body when I ran the marathon last year. Because I was able to see how much my body was capable of, right? You know, it was, you know, able to get me through that endurance of 26.2 miles, right? And how it was able to recover, how, you know, I ran and trained and, you know, I got through. So I think we fail to realize that our bodies are different and that our bodies look different on everyone, but there are other ways of measuring, you know, nutrition without solely focusing on wanting just a thin body. You know, I love my legs, that they're strong and they're, you know, they have muscles. I I, I love the fact that, you know, I am stronger. And, you know, when I am in the in the gym lifting weights, I can see the progress from, you know, lifting, uh, let's say when I first started doing upper body, where I was just lifting 10 pound weights and now I'm progressively, you know, lifting 15, 20 pounds. So, you know, I love to see that that progress. And it really gives you appreciation of like, wow, I am so Capable of more than I thought, so I you know it. that 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 would be my answer.
0: I love it. I love it. Yes, our bodies are capable. They are strong, and it is an incredible thing. Um, awesome. Thank you so much, Madeline. Uh, I know everybody who's listening to this wants to know how they can get in contact with you, where they can follow you. So if you can just, I'll have some notes um, too with all of Madeline's information. But if anyone wants to chat with you further, how can they find you?
1: So my social media is diabetes.rd, and you can connect with me via there. And I also have my website, which is MadelineDiabetesNutrition.com. And thank you so much for having me. This was amazing, and I'm glad that we were finally able to connect.
0: Yay, awesome. Thank you so much, Madeline.
1: No problem. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dear Runner Bod. If you enjoyed what you heard, remember to subscribe and make sure you share today's episode. Also, if you're looking to download a free three-step guide to love your runner's bod, then head to Serenamarierd.com. Can't wait to chat with you next week.